0: mm <laughs> That's chirpybirdinc.com.
1: Welcome to the Hit Like a Girl podcast. This is High Tea with Grace, where we spill the tea on HIT. I'm honored to welcome Esther Kim. She's... The Executive Director of Digital Health Innovation, working with a talented team across Mass General Brigham's hospitals, accelerating innovative healthcare technology pilots. Thanks for joining us today, Esther. Thanks for having me, Grace. We're really excited to learn from you and hear a little bit about what you and your team are working on over there. So, tell us about the path that led you to this role at Mass General Brigham.
2: Yeah, Grace, it's been a really interesting journey professionally. So, I started out my healthcare career actually as a registered dietitian. Um, one of the places I worked early in my career was at Brigham Women's Hospital um, and really went through a journey of doing a doctorate in nutritional epidemiology and finding that that actually wasn't the right path for me. That even though I loved academia, I really missed being in the clinical space, being boots on the ground, you know, working with people, really helping patients. And so I've had this journey of going through and managing a clinical department, then working at a small EMR company, and then led me to Mass Brigham, where they were creating a new position to support the Medicaid and Medicare Accountable Care Organization. Um, Medicaid in particular was something brand new and Um, anything new really excites me. I love creating new teams, new opportunities, like being a little bit scared. And so that was a nice, scary opportunity for me. Um, Did that for two years. And once the group was really stable, I felt like I had Um, set up a really nice framework for people to follow. It was a new opportunity that came about at Mass General Brigham around digital health innovation. And this was really meant um, for the group to support all of our hospitals across the system. So Mass General Brigham is a complex network of two academic medical centers, community hospitals, specialty hospitals, a lot of different primary care services And we wanted to ensure that we could spread a lot of what was happening on the grounds, great innovation um, leaders and researchers that we wanted to be able to support. So again, a brand new position that I was able to get into really create some of the strategies and processes and governance and build a really strong team um, over the past two years.
1: Wow, that's amazing. And I saw that you started your role in January of 2020. So how did this timing in particular accelerate the need for what you guys were doing? And what was the first problem your team decided to tackle?
2: Yes. Um, so it started out, um, you know, creating a new team and really thinking about our processes and governance, but as you can imagine, everything quickly shifted with COVID, um, as we realized very early on in about mid-February, so about a month into my role, that we needed a lot of different work around how we support our hospitals, our patients around our COVID efforts. So that led to very accelerated implementations, thinking about remote patient monitoring. You know, um, there was a concern at that point that we would overwhelm our hospitals, so those those that may be less um, severe in their symptoms. We're trying to figure out how to keep them at home while monitoring their oxygen, their temperature, all the important things that we were finding out about as um, symptoms of COVID. Um, and led to very rapid development for some new um, platforms and technology for us. One was called COVID Pass that we program managed along with an incredible technology team. Um, this is meant for employee attestation for COVID symptoms. That was something that the Department of Health was requiring. Um, we've since evolved that. We're in version three. Um, it's a great way for employees not only to test each day that they're healthy, you know, to come into work. But it's a way that they can schedule vaccines, they can um, schedule COVID tests, there's um, great functionality on there also to support employees in their wellness. Um, so we have some wellness apps that we integrated. Um, so that was just one example. And then the other side for patients and visitors, they also needed a way to attest that they were um, symptom free so that they could continue to come into the hospital and be seen for all the necessary services. Um, and that's called MGB pre screen that we also developed very rapidly to ensure that um patients could come in but i think one of, of my proudest moments during the time as vaccines were rolling out um we were part of the technical team that in one week we texted um sent emails and wow. um, our um, patient portal messaging to over two million patients <laughs>
1: oh, that is-
2: Eligible for a vaccine, they can come in and schedule with us. Um, you know, what how else can I, you know, uh, impact that work? And then the other, we also wanted to focus on making sure no patients were left behind. So, since we are a very large health system, we do have a great network of patients that may have visited us two or three years ago, and we want to ensure that they also had access to um, being able to receive a vaccine. So we use the novel technology um, that patients that had landline only, Um, was able to schedule over the phone if they choose to um, do so or let them know, you know, to update their information with a mobile number that we could text them additional information and, you know, to get them scheduled. So, you know, really also thinking about health equity and how we can use technology um, in a standard form to communicate, but how we can also expand that to reach um, some of the folks that maybe only have landlines or not as technology savvy as well.
1: Yeah, that is so inspiring, especially reaching the Medicare and Medicaid populations that are so at risk and have so many chronic conditions that need to be managed and you know have so many more needs, I think, than other populations might have, in addition to the other populations you're serving. So yes. I could imagine managing all of that and making sure that health equity was at the center of
2: what you did was so important and with our diverse population you know we really have a strong effort on making sure that we're also communicating um, in multiple languages and being culturally sensitive to I think the information that we provide as well so a lot of efforts on our parts you know a very multidisciplinary group that was at the heart of not only our patients but also our employee vaccinations as well because we have a diverse workforce that we also wanted to target Wow, that's so
1: true, so true. Now, I'm interested about your ACO background. Um, how does this ACO background really inform your this new digital health innovation role?
2: Yeah, um, so with my ACO background, um, I felt like it was a really important bridge with value-based care and thinking about our population and where some of the needs are. So certainly those um, patients with chronic disease is a huge area of focus, whether it be diabetes or hypertension, hyperlipidemia and others. And I joke that um, when I first started out my career and and in wellness and disease management and ACO about 12 years ago now, we actually tried to develop a diabetes app. We were a little bit too ahead of the game wow. um, and therefore it didn't work out because apps weren't that popular at the time. Um, kind of wish I had kept going, but you know, thinking about how we need to do a better job in trying to use technology to enhance our care teams. Mm -hmm. So with um, ACOs or anything in population health, there's huge engagements with patients, making sure that they're coming in for their labs, making sure that they're taking their medications, that they have doctor's visits, that they're attending to, if it's preventative, making sure you're getting your mammogram, colonoscopy. There's a lot of efforts on my nurses and medical assistants that had to make those calls, that are sending those messages in a very manual Mm -hmm. manner. Where technology and innovation really can come in is think about rules that you can automate to say, "Wow, this patient has diabetes, hasn't come in in six months. We need to, you know, message that patient to say it's really important. Your doctor cares about you. These are some ways that you can, you know, continue to um, be engaged in your health. That also saves a burden of." nurses, medical assistants, reaching out to, I would say, the 80% um, that just needs that nudge or reminder. Certainly there's that 10 or 20% that really needs that high touch and care. So it really helps um, our care teams also work at the top of their level and to really be able to focus on those high knees patients rather than um, spending their time with some of the gentle nudges of the majority of the population that just needs a little pain.
1: That's true. And it can be so stressful, but you know it's critical for the payment models to make sure that they're getting the best care, in addition to critical for the patient's care in general, getting the best yeah. care. So I could imagine the anxiety around some of those administrative tasks that they used to have to do manually that they're now starting to be able to do increasingly more you know, in an automated fashion.
2: Yeah, definitely. Mm -hmm. Um, There's so much that we can um, support not only our I I think our patients, but really our care teams as well, using Mm -hmm. technology and all the work that's required from a value based care um, type of model where we're making sure that our care teams also have all the right resources right at the right point in time so that um, they have the most accurate information they can provide um, to the patients when they're in need of, say, for example, enrolling in uh, a WIC program, for example, that they have those um, abilities also at their fingertips and not necessarily coming through like 10 pages of different papers.
1: Yeah, so true. Are there other ways that current payment models impact the type of work that, uh, or the type of technologies that you guys invest in?
2: Yes, um, I think especially with the start of the Medicaid ACO program, there's a huge focus about five years ago on social determinants of health and how that can impact, you know, how patients are getting their care. Um, We Built out our own social determinants of health questionnaires. It's evolved a lot since then in the space in terms of the technology on really curating better, you know, questions and answers for patients. But it really is another important aspect of making sure that not only are you asking patients those questions, but then being able to have that follow-up. So again, with the resources, having something that's automated. So while wow, you're in need of um housing support, you know, here's some information is also linked into your patient chart so that you can also pull it at any given time. I think it's really critical that not only are we pushing information to our patients, but they're able to pull information um, using technology. So another really important component um, as we think about care organizations and how social determinants of health has Made a really important factor of how we think about um, our patient's health more holistically.
1: Mm-hmm. More patient-centered, whole person-centered care mm-hmm. and using technology to really make sure that that's, that can happen in the best way possible. Now I'm wondering what regulatory measures have the most impact on you in particular and how does your team kind of track them and keep track of of, of those
2: items? yeah i think there are a number of different um regulatory measures and policies that happen again I, um, you know in the current space now um, medicare has a new ACO program called reach which is really focused on equity and access so i think that's going to be a really important component to see how the federal government also evolves around how they think about access equity and community health um, in our population Um, We're also very sensitive to um, regulations around, you know, making sure that we get um, consent from our patients whenever we do engage with Mm -hmm. them, that is a very important component. Um, And we have really great governance around that to ensure that um, that we are only reaching patients the way they want to be reached, when they want to be reached, um, is another um, important component as well.
1: Wow, that's so empowering, I think, for the patient to be able to to be able to have that care in the way that works best for them um, Mm -hmm. personally, uh, in addition to just being being great practice. Um, So I'm wondering what digital health innovations right now excite you the most. And are there any projects that you're just really excited about and interested to see what the next stage will be for them?
2: Yes. So um, there's been a lot of really exciting projects. I feel like a lot of it continues to be very COVID related just because it's you know, it needed to be implemented really quickly. So with our last surge with Omicron, um, we were able to build out a chatbot and an IVR functionality, again, to really provide great general information for our patients. There's a lot of confusions about home tests versus PCR tests, who needs to get a booster when, whether you should wear a mask or what type of mask to wear and so forth, that we were getting a lot of questions into our Um, practices, our nurses' COVID hotline and others, and we wanted to make sure that there was a technology platform that if patients chose to use those, that they could um, use that, and that was a very rapid implementation in under four weeks, um, which is, you know, incredible, even for an innovation project to be able to Technically, scope out the work, build it and implement it, get all the sign offs that you know we needed, um, most importantly from our you know clinical and leadership teams um, that we could have this up and running for our patients. Mm-hmm.
1: And like what trends do you see uh, fading away? maybe trends that you know some trends sticking around, some trends fading away. Do you think that anything's going to be either faded away or updated in the near future?
2: Yeah, I'm not sure if there's anything that's going to fade away. I think every day I, you know, look at the news, there's additional investments in digital health and digital health innovation, That there's nothing that I think is going to fade away. I think there's certainly, from my perspective, a lot more focus truly on what AI can do. Um, We found that when you draw back the curtains on some of the companies it's still not true ai as we think about it or you know natural language processing if you will there's still a lot of manpower behind what's happening um, so i'm really excited to see how that space is going to continue to evolve um, because you know with with COVID, there's been um certainly a decrease in staffing across the board. So mm-hmm. how can we again use technology to enhance some of the work that we are doing um, to support everyone around us in, in the healthcare system? And that's where I really think um AI can be helpful. Um it's I'm still waiting to see, you know, the the potential there, but I think it's an exciting area. But yeah, I don't. Or see anything going away, not yet. There's just so many tools. I think there needs to be a more streamlined effort on how we use technology. I think that's the hardest part because then whether you're a patient or a clinician, you're bombarded. So you, you may end up with 10, 20 apps, you know, manage this, manage that, communicate this way and that way. And so we need that better. Um, consolidation, if you will, of making sure that there's an easier path, um, whether it's for our employees or our patients, to be able to engage with their health.
1: Very true. And how does your team pick which healthcare technologies to pilot? Like how do they and what to integrate and when to build?
2: Um, We have a very strong governance team that really um, represents leadership across our organization. So they are um, really helpful in making the final recommendations for us. We get nominations from our innovation leaders across the system. And we look at what our enterprise strategy it has been a a lot of focus around value based care. Um, it's been around health equity. It's also been around decreasing that um, clinician and care team burden, whether it be documentation burden or workflow burden, um, especially as we went into a hybrid workflow. It's really hard, to pay, you know employees that are used to sitting next to each other, throwing stickies at each other, um, Mm -hmm. now are in different towns, you know, trying to coordinate. So those are the areas that we really focused on to think about what projects that we pick. And we also pick, I think what we think are really innovative and cutting edge, is different than what might be in sort of the standard work. To say, well, does this work? We've worked with some really great um, vendors thus far, um, and with local innovators that have really incredible ideas that we want to make sure to test it out and see if they might work, and then see if they fit within our system. You know, as a large healthcare system, it's hard to know sometimes whether or not something will fit until we do that. Um, you know, minimal viable integration um, yeah. and um, you know, see in, and get perspectives from whomever our end users are to say, does this work for you? Is this helpful? Is there an impact? Is there any value um, in bringing the service? Um, That's very
1: interesting to me. So um, at what stage then in the digital innovation implementation process, do you invite patient feedback? Um, And and do you think that might change in the future? You know, at what point that starts to become something that you, you know, do more of? Yes. Um,
2: I think we think about patient feedback in multiple levels depending on our project. So certainly I think there's a standard sort of survey that goes out to patients. So if we're thinking about a um, technology that directly impacts patients, We can send them a survey, whether it's by, you know, text or email afterwards, but we also want to look at the data and look at how patients are actually engaging. It's one thing they say like, oh, this is great, but never use. Very um, true. (laughs) Um, And we have, you know, um, we have a very strong data and analytics team um, and we're able to look at engagement. They can say, wow, that was great, but... We can actually see did they watch that video, um, you know, <laughs> or did they even click open the email that we sent to them? How are they engaging in there? Are they filling things out? So that's another important component of how we think about patient feedback and patient engagement is looking at the data um, and looking at what's actually happening.
1: Wow. That's really interesting. I, I love hearing about the work that you're doing over there and I'm very excited to see all the exciting innovations that come out of there in the coming years. So at Hit Like a Girl, we also love to learn about you personally. So I'd love to hear a little bit about you know things that you do to help really work your best and make a difference. You're a thriving executive at a top health system, busy, busy, constantly on the go. What are things that you do for you to help you work your best?
2: I like to travel a lot, um, which has been hard over the past two years, but really taking those short breaks for yourself. And um, for me, um, travel is very energizing. And so over the past two years, certainly they haven't been as um, long distance travel, but even um, around here, because I'm in Massachusetts, going down to the Cape for a couple of days, just taking a little break by the ocean, Um, is really important. And I have a dog that keeps me busy. So making sure that she can, you know, take a walk and she'll pull me outside. And, um, and that's another great way to, um, for me to sort of re-energize and recharge.
1: That's wonderful, and you know, I'm wondering if you have any advice for women looking to get into healthcare and healthcare IT. You know, is there anything that you'd recommend for them as they are starting their journey?
2: I would um, say definitely network, network. There's so many great forums um, that you're able to network. Certainly, LinkedIn is probably one of the easiest ways to connect. Um, but also, don't be afraid to take that chance. Um, I love uncertainty. I love being a little bit afraid. I feel like even now every week I'm a little afraid of something because it's something new and challenging and um, you know having that sort of confidence to say I've never tried it before but sure you know give it to me and I'll and I'll prove that I can do it. Um, that's really been sort of my career path o- uh, over the past 10 12 years um, you know I went from being a postdoctoral student, to managing 25 clinical care team members. <laughs> because of, you know, in my job, I said, I can do it. And, you know, just give it to me and let's see how how things go. And having that confidence, I think, in yourself to um, be able to stretch yourself. So whether it's, you know, getting into a new field um, or just entering into the healthcare space, there's so many points of entry that I think it's easy to get your foot in the door if you're willing to have those conversations.
1: Wow, uh, that is inspiring. Don't be afraid to be afraid, because your courage will catch up with you. <laughs> yes, <laughs> and your expertise, of course, will ground you. That's fantastic. And I'm wondering, you know, what are some interesting things too that you do to help overcome challenges in life? You know, we all have obstacles that come our way. You know, what are some some items that you do to just make to to help uh, yourself in in those hard seasons?
2: Um, I think for me, it's definitely the support of um, my family of friends, you know, having that great network that can get you through some of the tough times and making sure that they can also, um, especially my friends, um, can set you straight. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> when you need a little adjustment as well, um, has has been really important, both in my professional and my personal um journey is having those strong relationships and knowing that someone can be very frank with me and um, transparent and i try to do the same in a nice kind way absolutely kindness (laughs) for sure yes definitely that you know and not sugarcoating like wow that really was a terrible day for you like I think you should just go take a bubble bath or "Ah, that really doesn't sound like a big deal. Like maybe you should just move on. Um, Mm -hmm. So it's nice to have that sounding board. Absolutely, Those sounding board's so critical. And I think that's
1: something that Hit Like a Girl does really well too, is that we have this great community of women that just can help be a sounding board for folks that don't have that amazing network. Um, so that's that's awesome and glad to have you now a part of this community. Um, so I'm wondering
2: uh, if you happen to bring
1: any tea
2: with you I today? I did. Um, I'll show you my mug, it might be a little bit. Hard to see. Um, I, I think it's a little um, hard to see. is actually. Oh, it's the mountain. Uh, Me and my kids. This was our last trip um that we took before COVID. Um, we went to Switzerland to go skiing. um, Wow, what a memory! February, so (laughs) it was great. Um, and when we originally got a little sick just from travel, people like. We think you have COVID. You were in Italy and Switzerland. I'm like, I don't think so. But um, um, my kids made this for me um, for the past Christmas season. So just a nice reminder of you know being away somewhere together and being able to travel together. Wow,
1: what an amazing experience too, right before the pandemic hit. The timing could not have been better. <laughs> yes, definitely. <laughs> Well, to finish off this conversation
2: right, where can our listeners find you online? Yeah, please connect with me on LinkedIn. Um, Would love to connect with folks, be able to just have conversations, um, network, help anyone. um, If I can help network with other areas as well and um, just meet other great people.
1: Thank you so much, Esther. And thank you for joining us today.
2: Thank you, Grace. My pleasure.
1: And thank you for joining us too. check out the Hit Like a Girl website and YouTube page for more great interviews like Esther today. Cheers. Like a Girl Media is more than a media network. It's a community. We want to meet you and amplify your voice and the voices of outstanding women innovating in healthcare. Interested in starting your own podcast or hosting an event near you? Connect with us online or in person. We're here to support and empower you.